Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. It's nine minutes after one. Welcome to Life Happens. It's the Thursday edition of Life Happens. And uh, what are we discussing today? We are discussing, um, well, we all, I think, at this point are experiencing some level of grief. If you don't know somebody, it's probably affecting you directly. And I think a lot of us are grappling with how how do you become supportive? How do you give support to those who've lost loved ones? Because, as we know, with COVID-19, we're not supposed to be attending funerals if you're not exactly the direct family member. We're not supposed to be gathering. Um, Singing is prohibited. Those things that have made us You know who we are, those practices, those cultural practices of going to family homes, of of sometimes even sending food. We can't even do that. And the question then becomes, so how do we become, you know, of support to our friends, to our colleagues, um, to extended family members? How do we reach out and show them that we are here for them? How do we become that pillar? Because everything that we've known to this day about how to support friends and colleagues and loved ones we can't do so it's it's a difficult time and and i think it's one of those conversations and i would love you to be a part of it in maybe giving us a sense of what you've done how have you been of support to your friends to your colleagues to your loved ones who you could not go and whose funerals you couldn't attend how did you feel that you could reach them and maybe perhaps somebody who is grieving at the moment how do you how do you how would you like us to assist? How would you like people to reach you? What has helped you? That's the conversation we're having today. 11 um, We is a counseling psychologist on the line with us to also help us navigate this. I think it's a very difficult conversation. Wiesile, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for uh, having me. And so what, what, you know, what advice do you give to people who, who perhaps come to you and say, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to, to reach out. I don't know how mm. to be supportive. I want to. I need to. I feel the need to. But I don't know how. So the first point of engagement starts with just how heavy the last couple of weeks, months have been for many of us. I think, like you said, right at the beginning, that you're either impacted directly or indirectly. And I think it has also manifested in such a manner that other people are also experiencing a sense of grief and loss through watching other people engage with the mourning phase at this moment. So it's just about us being sensitive to just the understanding of how grief is manifesting itself right now with the pandemic. Because particularly with COVID, we know that it's such a disconnected process. Mm. Um, Families are struggling with not being able to perform certain rituals, traditional ways of engaging uh, death in a family. Those have been soon removed from, you know, most families. So we're finding that we're still having to deal with just the, the chalk around just how disconnected it is to, to bury a loved one during COVID times. So before we can even get to how can we be present, it's about us realizing that really uh, losing someone to COVID-19 and the process thereafter really is strange before mm-hmm. anything else. 
so there are things that we've always battled with though you know because one one thinks now and looks at what we're going through now and thinks you know we've always known how to deal with with grief we haven't um and i want us to take us through even some of the most simplest of things in in for instance what do you say you know because yeah. that in itself it's another very complex uh, arena so in terms of what do we say um you know, I was hopping onto Twitter the other day and just reading through people's uh, comments, and they were just mentioning how they really have no words mm. where, you know, they don't know how best to be present for another person. Mm. And perhaps what we can start to think through is being able to ask people if they, you know, are open to that kind of conversation to say, how can I be present for you? Um you know, as opposed to what do you need? Because once, when someone is still in the process, trying to sort out all the admin, trying to sort out everything that needs to happen to ensure a dignified burial, they might not be in touch with what they need. But perhaps if we ask, how can I be present for you? You might find that they, you open up a bit more of a tenderness in that conversation. But in terms of the simplest things, you know, once someone is still preparing for a funeral, we know that the numbers are limited as well. Mm. Ask yourself as a friend, as a family, and a family member, how best you can just make their lives a lot more easier. You know, if your friend, you know, goes to a family meeting, maybe you can clean their apartment. Maybe you can cook for them. Um, but so the cooking the thing is also tricky right now, hey, Buisila, because um, I was thinking the other day of sending um, a friend who's, you know, who's also um, going through this mourning period. And I was thinking, mm, maybe I can send food. And then somebody else said to me, but you know how paranoid that person is and they're not going to feel like they can accept the food. So it's not the appropriate thing to do. And I, I suddenly stopped in my tracks and they were absolutely right. Um, especially with people who are dealing with COVID who themselves have lost a loved one through COVID. There is still that paranoia. Mm -hmm. But again, what we don't want to do in a state of being overwhelmed is to then assume, which is why it goes back to saying that you wouldn't necessarily impose yourself. You would be offering to say, can I do this for you? If someone says, no, um, right now, maybe I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with people coming to the house at the moment. Uh, this is what I prefer. Then you can find other ways. If it means, you know, getting a voucher on their behalf and then, you know, whenever they get around to getting their own groceries, they would do that. So basically it's for us not to be so fixated around solving and almost going into an assumptive place with what another person might need. It's about us being open enough to engage people who are grieving so, to so say, How do you, what do you need? One of the things, and this is specifically to, to your um, skills, right, is that the thing about being in contact with somebody, physical contact with somebody, is that you, you're almost able to read them even if they don't say anything. And I think this is where the difficulty is now. So where a person is grieving, sometimes they just don't want to say anything. Sometimes they're not engaging. Sometimes they'd rather shut the world out. 
in in our habits of going to the bereaved families and going to you know to to comfort them often you are able to see and read the moment and we can't do that now that i think is one of the most difficult things about a supporting somebody you just can't read the person because you're not in their presence and you mentioned something important in terms of silence mm-hmm. i think there needs to be a place where we can appreciate uh, being guided by the next person mm. in terms of what they need from us. Yes, physically we cannot be there, we cannot read body language, mm. we cannot connect uh, in, in the manner that we usually do if, for example, we're friends and we usually hang out and all of that. But it's about being guided by the person, which is what we would always do in therapy as well, is that we wouldn't come and say, well, today this is the direction that we're taking with your grief mm-hmm. would allow someone to guide us to say, today, I don't want to speak about it, or today I do. Mm-hmm. Today I miss them. Today I went about the day and realized that I wasn't ruminating over the loss. So it's about us not being anxious, because I think we're so anxious to fill in the gap, we're so anxious to fill in the silence, as opposed to just saying, yeah, I am. Even if I have to sit with you in the silence, that on its own, until guided otherwise by the person who has experienced the loss, more than enough. So I'm going to ask you a bit more on that, but let me just maybe open the lines as well, Abuisile, because I have questions. I'm sure many, many people have got questions as well. I'm going to open the lines on 011-714-2006 and WhatsApp notes um, can be sent on 0614-104-107. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. We at the time, right? I mean, we've got a pandemic that we're facing and we're all grappling with how to do things differently. And one of the most difficult things that I think many of us are contending with right now is grief and how to manage ourselves during this time with so many restrictions and trying to be safe at the same time, trying to keep healthy and still also supporting the loved ones who are directly impacted um, by this pandemic, um, particularly through loss and so on. So we've invited Bwisi Klina, who is a counseling psychologist, to help us talk through this whole um what I think is a really difficult subject, and and also yourselves. Oh one one seven one four two zero zero six. You can send WhatsApp notes, or you can also send uh, a text on oh six one four one oh four one oh seven. Priscilla, you mentioned silence, and I want to just hone in on that silence, because it's easy to be silent with somebody when I rock up at your home. There is a loss. You are there. I sit and say nothing and I'm just there. Silence at a distance and being there in silence is harder because when you reach out to somebody and say, I want to sit in silence with you, it's usually through another mode of communication, whether it's a telephone call, whether you know what you know what I mean. And yeah. that person almost has the responsibility to receive the phone call mm. and and often in in physical presence there is no other requirement you just show up here now we need the other person to also do something else that's hard yeah yeah it is hard um however it is to understand that the traditional ways in which we have known how to be present how to you know kind of be intentional around showing care and regard 
needs to be a little bit more adaptable to what the, the, the times require. So obviously with, with grief is that you want to give a person sufficient space process, but you also want them to know that you're there. Um, so even if you drop the text to say, you know, just checking in, um, I hope you're okay, uh, let me know when it's convenient for me to call, Mm-hmm. or anything like that. It shows that you hold them in mind mm-hmm. because I think we we neglect, you know, being able to hold people in mind and mm-hmm. think that we always have to be and always have to, you know, kind of push for response. Yet at this time, it's about just, you know, popping in once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, people are in touch with themselves even when they have lost a loved one. They know when to, you know, say how they feel, particularly with people who are their safe spaces. They know how to say, this is what I feel today. And as a friend or as a family member, you're able to then sit and hold that kind of emotion with them at that given Ha! So you've pointed out something quite um, phenomenal because in a way, there is a lot you can do with someone that you you hold a safe space with. And I want to pick up on that. So someone where the unspoken is known where you have that camaraderie. But there are other relationships, other types of relationships where it's not quite that. And you still also want to show up. You know what I mean? Where you're not close, 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 but but you want to be there. And and there is that distance and there is the gap. How do we navigate that? It goes back to showing the, the, you know, the kind of intention mm-hmm. to be present for them. Mm. And then the person will then decide as and when they feel ready to, to mm. invite us in. Mm-hmm. Because I think we want to barge in yes. to another person's process yes. as opposed to saying, here I am, I knock once in a while, but you let me know when you want me to come in. I mean, we see that that's how we've always done it. We've always barged in. We just rock up. <laughs> you know but what I'm saying? It's this the, that's time the is teaching us. Yeah, that's the you know, instinct. this time is teaching us to to trust yeah. another person's resilience, to trust uh, that a person will know what's good for them, that mm. a person will be able to invite us into their process mm. should they feel ready to do so. Mm. So Ma- we can't barge in anymore. Yeah, yeah. Mac, <laughs> you're calling from Benoni. Good afternoon. Hello, Mac. Mac, good afternoon. Hi. Hi, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Thanks. It was sorry it was on our side, Mike. Yeah, uh this 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 pandemic has been uh it's been hard. Mm-hmm. What happens is that sometimes when it happens somewhere else, if it's not too close, mm-hmm. you can't really feel much of the impact. You can hear it. Yeah. So recently I I, I lost a friend who is outside the country, a close friend. Mm. But because of the borders being closed, uh, on one part, I couldn't go to be able to, to go and console mm. his family. Mm. And also, the, 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 the hard part is that part of the death, what, what was painful is that the health delivery system really is not working. Public health delivery system is not working. So that means people die you know, on the bed or not even on the bed, in, in, in the passages because they are not able to get help to be assisted. So, yeah, and also the, it's difficult to be able, you don't really know what to say to the family. Yes, you can assist, you'll be able to send some money, but 
Yes, you try to console the family. You 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 partly feel the pain, but exactly how do you comfort them so that they know that they are not on their own? But to some extent, they are on their own because of the restrictions that are there. Hmm. You know, basically, what I'm hearing from Mac, yeah. and this is part of grief, right? There's also the need to point to something. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just listening to him referring to the health system. And I'm not saying you're wrong, Mac, by the way. But I'm also saying that there's also that with grief where you want to look at something to point at and to blame. This is the reason we are here. And all of that is part of grief. Yes, it is. But also what uh, the caller is noting is the fact that some of the process around losing a loved one to COVID is just the traumatic manner mm. in which it occurs. So we're not only dealing with grief, we're dealing with trauma, mm. we're dealing with knowing that, you know, the bodies of our loved ones are sealed up. Mm. Many people have different uh, thoughts and opinions around that and, you know, how it further disconnects them to, to the process of, um, of the death and the loss. But in terms of that, the, the grief process lingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, far beyond the present moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you may have to continuously just be there and understand that it will take time for the people who it impacts quite deeply, even ourselves, mm-hmm. where even months later we might find ourselves still trying to make sense of a lot. Mm-hmm. So, again, it goes back to us trying not to be anxious in our attempt to be present for the next person. Mm-hmm. It's for us to say that there is a process, there is time. There are moments where there will be much to be said and there are moments where there's going to be silence and a void. And all of that is is a process that you are going to journey with the person that you are close with or the person that's mm-hmm. dear to you who's undergoing such a lot. And, and I think what you're touching on as well is ritual. Ritual, yeah. we, we have held on to... Ritual is part of us. It's part of our culture. Where... For many of us, you want to see the deceased. You want to be there. You want to complete it all. You want to close the circle. And COVID has denied us that. Many um, of our loved ones, you know, lie in hospitals without us being able to be there. Um, You can't quite do the things that you need to do. You can't close their eyes. Little things that maybe have meant a lot to us, we can't do them anymore, which is so difficult for closure, I suppose, in many ways. And closing that circle Mm. might not happen as soon as you want it to. It Mm -hmm. might take time. There may still be more questions than answers Mm. in terms of coming to a place of closure. Mm. However, the compassion and the kindness that we really have to show ourselves and extend to others is such that we really are all trying to keep it together. Some are doing better than others. But can we show a sense or a level of sensitivity during this time. And I suppose that's all that we've been calling for, even on social media, to say that, you know, uh, access to when can you speak about someone's uh, death, mm. you wait for a family, mm. etc. All of these things are an extension of how we need to come back to a place of being compassionate and kind each other during this time. Mac, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much for your call. We see I'm going to be back with you and I'm going to come back to many of the voice notes that are coming through. I also see your calls coming through there. It's you know, right now one thirty. Let me go to Nandika Biokas for the latest in SABC headlines. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen.
Thank you so much for staying with us. We are discussing grief and ways in which we can support one another during this pandemic. Um, we also know that um, while we are grieving a lot, there are safety issues that we also have to contend with. Um, and it's not actually, I, I, I hesitate talking about regulations because it's not so much about the regulations. It's about actually being safe. And what that means is that distancing ourselves from our loved ones. It means all sorts of things that interfere with how we have conducted ourselves at a time of grief, for instance. And you know, ironically, obviously, at the moment, we are dealing with a lot of grief at the moment. So the question is, how do we support one another during this time? Um, and also being safe. That is the question. And all the little things that we would have been doing in supporting one another, because we can't do them anymore, how do we navigate ourselves through all of this? I'm in conversation with Gwisi Lemglina, who is a counseling psychologist. And uh, the lines are open for you. How have you dealt with grief? How have you dealt with supporting loved ones who are grieving at the moment, especially if you just cannot physically be there? 011-714-2006. The WhatsApp number is 0614-104-107. We say, let me take a voice note before I come back to you. Hello, Pimelo Piri here in Alex. I think we are in a transition, a transition from the old uh, systems and the old way of uh, doing life into the new way. I think um, this pandemic is sort of a way that God has used to caution us of another way of going about life uh, because in the previous life, um, so to speak, um, there hasn't been fairness, there hasn't been equity. People have been killing, raping, and uh, not living in peace and harmony. So I take it that, you know, uh, even if uh, you know lives are being lost, but we are transitioning into a different realm altogether that's going to have peace, harmony, and that's going to be more enjoyable to all of us as a human species. Thank you. So, Wisile, I mean, as much as I hear what this voice note, uh, the Gentapiri is saying, is that what you say to someone who's lost a loved one? Respectfully, no. Mm. <laughs> that is not what you say. Mm. Um, I do agree with the transition element of it. Mm. We're all having to reconfigure what resilience looks like, what mm. tenacity looks like for all of us. Mm. But in terms of how to be present for another person, again, we're only human. We want things to make sense. And uh, in things making sense, sometimes we, we do come across as a little bit insensitive mm. in our quest for, for meaning. And it's important to caution around that because we even see it with how people are making sense of this time of the season, that in their quest for meaning, they've become quite disruptive, mm. they've become quite, um, you know, microaggressive, hostile, and a bit dated. And it's like, okay, yes, you perhaps have a different view, but let's try and maintain a sense of neutrality in a manner that is respectful mm. to people who have lost loved ones because they also would like to form meaning that says, you know, we're transitioning to good and that the people who will remain perhaps will live in peace and harmony. 
they would have loved to transition with their loved ones just the same. Yeah. So it's time for a bit of sensitivity around mm. death and dying. Mm. Anonymous, thank you so much for calling. You're calling us from KZN. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon to you, my darling, and your guest as well. Happy New Year. Uh, Kathy, Happy, New, Happy Year. New Year to you too. I'm an anonymous. I hope it's you have a fabulous holiday, but you are you sounding good, so I think you're well energized. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> okay, welcome. I just want to talk about the grievance. You know, I went to um, a lady called me for comfort, but she refused. I'm a neighbor, mm. but she refused to call any of her sisters. She, uh, she's got about five sisters, and no family members were there. Because she also was, um, uh, they all were talking telephonically uh, for lengthy, uh, lengthy, uh, length, in length, but they were not comforting. There was no one to comfort this lady. None of her sisters were there or none of her brothers were because she asked them not to come because she was also, her husband had COVID-19 and she also was in contact with COVID-19 and another neighbor who was helping on the funeral, he's also got COVID-19 now because he was driving the person around. There was no ambulance services to the doctors and back and he also ended up with COVID-19. Now I asked her why your sisters are not here, any of your sisters, family, close family members. She said no, uh, she told them not to come because she has COVID-19. But then she called for me. Uh, you know, as a neighbor to help her. And how did you feel about it? I, 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 I did because I had to wear my screen and my mask and everything else and I had to go shopping for her, did a few things, buying some uh, fruits for her because sometimes, as you said, Kathy, you don't know what to cook for a person and you don't know what they eat because I, she, she doesn't allow anyone in the house, only the first time that she ever called me for the funeral because she's my neighbor for many years. Hmm. So, like, they're independent and you stay to themselves. Mm-hmm. We see there your comment? Yeah, so what, you know, what your caller has said is, is quite important to say that people will continue to reach out and how can we then support in a manner that still protects us? Like, you know, like she said, she wore protective clothing, was able to assist with shopping. You know, you can kind of drop uh, the groceries somewhere and um, the neighbor can pick them up which then ensures a bit more safety. But in terms of the what we what we see with other members not being able to come through because, you know, she had COVID and the family wanted to be cautious, we're going to find a lot of, you know, suspended support, suspended processing, and, you know, people almost coming around much later when things have kind of subsided to, to start the process or to you know, engage the process differently around the grief and loss. So, I mean, a lot of papers are being written. We're also coming across different and varied um, scenarios. We're learning as we're going as a society, as healthcare practitioners, mental health practitioners. And the times will be telling to us in terms of how people have come to understand um, coming back to now processing grief and loss and all the things that could not happen at the time and having to to do them much later. Let's take a quick break. I'm going to take those calls as well again on 011-714-2006. WhatsApp notes on 0614-104-107. How are you supporting your loved ones through this time of grief? At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter.
We're discussing grief and uh, how you support loved ones who are grieving at this po- at this point because we've got a pandemic and there's so many things we just cannot do to support loved ones. We can't go to family homes and so on. So let me just bring in again Wisile Mglina, who is a counselling psychologist. And Wisile, one of the things that I think we, we possibly need to go to now is the tensions within the family, right, where you would have to ask others not to come to the funeral because you've got the limited number of people who are allowed to come and and how difficult that is in the pro- during that whole process of grieving where you also have to manage expectations, you have to manage each other in the family. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's really, an, you know, a sad and interesting time uh, because indeed we do have to cap the numbers um, as per, you know, the directive from, from our government. However, like you said, there are budding or lingering family dynamics and that might also prove problematic in terms of who gets to make the list. Mm. So, you know, we usually had this with weddings and, and suddenly we're having to have it at it's such a painful crossroad in our lives in terms of being able to to set out who can come and who cannot come. And it, it's for us to go back to, you know, the sense that we all have to be adaptable. Here we are having to switch to streaming, um, hosting live videos for, for funerals and, and all of that. And this is kind of a time where we can understand that this is what the you know the season calls for. Yes, we would like for things to be different, but here we are presented with having to make these certain um, considerations in order for people to still be present, to still honour, uh, to still bear witness to us um, giving the person that we love a dignified send off. But in terms of us trying to you know train each other further by saying why aren't I on the list and all of that. Those are trivial things that really shouldn't be coming into a process that is already um, very hard on its own. Mm. Anonymous is on the line um, just uh, from the Western Cape. Anonymous, thank you so much for calling. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pimelan, and your guest, and how are you? We well, thank you. Thanks for calling. We can say we're well, mm. now we're not that well. Mm. Since what is happening makes us, all of us, not to be well. Mm. Yesterday, I have a friend who is admitted for more than two weeks, was on ICU for two weeks. Mm. Then she's out of ICU. She's uh, in general ward now, mm. by God's grace. Now, when she was there, she had a message that her younger sister passed on, mm. calls being COVID, mm. and they're in different provinces. Mm. Herself and her husband, they're both sick with COVID. Mm-hmm. Then I must deal with grief of loss of a sister and also her condition. When we start talking, her, her, spirit, her spirit was very low. She couldn't even uh, talk well. I mean, she, you could even feel that she's not breathing well. She's cutting as she's speaking. Mm-hmm. What I try to do, I, I want to, to, to put it clear that uh, visual or through telephone or through, through video, we can still comfort each other. I said to her, my friend, look, uh, I understand what you're going through. 
you is painful, your own blood, your own sister, you can't bury her. But this is something out of control. For now, I think it's better to say, let's accept that she's gone. We first, as well, as much as we need you also to come out of the, of, of the hospital. So try to be strong for yourself, also strong for your family. By co- coming out of this world, it will be a victory for your family as well. Because if you, 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 you grieve and you neglect, she wasn't eating, she wasn't, she was disinterested, she felt like she could as well go. I said, by uh, uh, stressing this much, you are going to lose, your immune system is going to go down as well and you are fighting for your health. And you are going to lose your health. I mean, you are going to lose your, your life. How about that you concentrate now on your health let those who can bury a younger sister bury her. Then, after that, when you are fine, you will go home, have time to grieve, as well go and see your younger sister's grave as you see the situation. From there, we started talking about the Word of God. We started uh, saying, everyone, we are mortal. We will all go. It depends on when we will go and how we will go. We don't know. Only God knows. I think we talked for more than two hours telephonically. After that, her voice was bit by bit becoming better. I was surprised even that, uh, like, cutting of breath. Now she was no longer cutting the breath. She was talking uh, nicely. She said, you know what? After this talk, I feel healed. I was so depressed. I was so low. As I'm speaking now, they're burying a younger sister. She's not there. This is not the only case. I know there are many people who are going through the same. But if you're at the hospital, you can't do otherwise. You have to concentrate on your health. Yes, you've lost a family, but what can we do? This is the situation that we are facing. This is the reality we are facing. I think we have to come to an understanding that we are facing the abnormal. Mm. We must as well act abnormally. Mm. It's abnormal to, to, to say I will concentrate on my health. But I think this time, I pray that God can give us that courage to be able to stand what one cannot stand for extra, let's say extra strength. Because really what is going on now is, is beyond human comprehension. Mm, it is. But this is the reality. That's what I went through yesterday. But at least my friend was well. I, I checked on her. She said, oh, my friend, I'm feeling so better mm. even now. This is how I wanted to contribute. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Anonymous, there in the Western Cape. I see you, Deborah. I see many of the voice notes coming through. I'll be back with you in a short while. Life Happens with Pimelo Modine. Thank you so much for staying with us. We are discussing supporting loved ones during this period of grief and how do we do that with the restrictions that we have and also bearing in mind that we ourselves have to keep safe. Deborah is calling us from KZN. Deborah, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you and your listeners. Um, you know, I, I, I was thinking that um, what people really, you know, it's so important for people when they are grieving mm. to know that they have performed all the rites, all the ceremonies yeah. for their loved ones, mm. that they can know that they can rest. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very 
very distressing when when they can't do that. Um, So, you know, they won't be able to find any peace in themselves until they have been able to perform those rights. Mm. And I think that, I mean, the situation now is, is, is so, so bad that, that people can't um, risk funerals, etc. And um, I think it's a time for our traditional leaders, um, our religious leaders, to, to be looking at, you know, cultural practices, um, religious practices. And, you know, culture develops according to, to situations mm. um, and needs. You know, it's long-term. Mm. But, but they need to be, be helping people in this time, you know, to, to, I don't know, maybe we need a conversation with, with traditional leaders that they can um, help, help people who are grieving, you know, and to say, well, you can do this and, and your, your loved one will, it will be okay for them, they can rest, you know. Um, I, I just think that there needs to be that kind of conversation or that kind of help from, from traditional leaders for, for people who are suffering in this, this situation. Mm. I mean, I, I hear you. Um, I think it's so complicated. Buisile? Yes. Your comments on that. It is indeed um, quite important to be flexible to the time, uh, just as the, you know your caller has suggested. Because again, it is a strange time and season that we are negotiating, and perhaps again we do need to have the voice of the very key people who assist us in finding and closing that circle. You use that so beautifully to say that we're struggling to close that circle because there's so many things that are still pending, still open, that we need to undergo to feel a sense of having done all that we could, having come to a whole a wholeness within ourselves to say that we have given our loved ones a dignified rest. So it will take a lot of time. There will be a lot of pushback at times. There will be a lot of reconsideration, trying this, understanding what it means to to build memory, understanding what it means to allow people to rest, and that it might not be, you know, a straight line. It will find varied um, expressions in terms of how people come to understand how to give... um, the love Thank you, Buisil. I know that you've got to go. Thank you very much for your contribution to the show. Deborah, I think you, you, you're raising such important points. Um, and we don't... Um, is, okay, she's gone. What I was going to say to Deborah is that, you know, human beings are interesting. We, we spend a lot of time... I mean, listen to the name of the show, Life Happens, right? We spend a lot of time living even though we know that the inevitable will happen to every single one of us. It's, I'm not saying that we need to be obsessed with death. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we part of what is difficult about death is because we don't talk much about death. And I think um, the previous comment that came through about helping all of us understand and be at peace with the fact that the people that we've lost are at peace 
ritual is sometimes about that. It's about giving us the assurance that people are at peace, that we've done the right thing to help them with their passage, whatever it is that you believe. So I'm not imposing my beliefs on you. But here's the point. The point is that we don't talk a lot about death. And that's, I think, why it's so scary for many of us, right? So perhaps we'll pick up on that. We'll we'll try and get the relevant people to have a conversation around death. Because here's the thing. At the moment, I can tell you now, I don't know anybody who doesn't know anybody who's been affected by death at the moment as we speak. Not a single person. And so perhaps it's time. It's time to have conversations around death and our understanding of death and how we make peace with death. So that's definitely something I will line up. Okay, I've got a voice note I think that I need to listen to. Hi, Pamelo. A very sensitive issue that you're discussing today. Uh, my colleague, a very best friend of myself and my family, passed away uh, last Wednesday. And I told the family that I wasn't going to be able to go and attend it. But the, the kids, the brothers and the wife, they told me that that's unacceptable because they already put me on the people that are going to speak for friends. So I didn't have a choice. I, I had to go there you know as difficult as it, it was i went there and i had to do it you know but it's difficult in these current situations edward from pumalanga certainly understand that and thank you so much for for reaching out i you know he speaks for so many he speaks for so many people you just also don't know you know how do you say no to the loved ones that are asking you to come when you yourself are afraid um, for your own safety, for their safety. It's so complicated. So thank you to all of you that have uh, added your voice to this conversation.